Welcome to another edition of Conversations with Creative Women. I'm Sandy Klein. Sugar Hill Creamery, the name says it all, Harlem's first family-owned handmade ice cream emporium opened its doors in 2017 and was followed three years later by location number two, this one in Hamilton Heights, the northernmost part of West Harlem, home to the historic Sugar Hill District. And there's also a creamery outpost in Brooklyn's Time Out Market. Sugar Hill is the brainchild of Petrushka Bazin Larson, my guest today, and her husband, Nick Larson. Their confections include handmade small batch ice cream, non-dairy frozen desserts with both seasonal and classic flavors available year round. In her copious free time, Petrushka hosts community programs for Sugar Hill Creamery customers and neighbors that include a new mom's group, book club, and craft night. She also works with the parent-centered Harlem nonprofit, Harlem for Kids, as a board member and runs a coaching practice called Ask Petrushka, aimed at helping women who want to make career changes or start their own businesses. Before joining forces with her husband, Petrushka was vice president for programs and education at the Brooklyn Children's Museum and program director at the Laundromat Project, a nonprofit that used art and culture as platforms to create meaningful exchanges with New Yorkers. So let's meet and get to know Petrushka Bays and Larson. Welcome and thanks so much for joining me remotely today. Yes, thank you so much. And that, wow, thanks. I'm like, I don't think... For someone who's, we're having a conversation that was really, uh, that was really slick. Thanks, Sandy. You know, I have to tell you, Petrushka, this happens all the time. I get my information from your bios, from the guest bios. And when I go through this, everybody says, geez, I didn't know I did all that shit. You know, <laughs> and you, like, Sandy? I, I had no idea that I was this, that, and the other thing. So I'm, I'm glad you're impressed by yourself because that's, that's so a good funny. thing. I'm impressed by your voiceover abilities. <laughs> I just basically need you to just speak for me for all things. That's basically it. <laughs> well, you know, when I got into radio, there weren't a whole lot of women with deep voices, so it worked for me back, yeah. back in the day. Awesome. So let's talk about your back in the day. Are you a Harlem born and bred lady? I am not, actually. So I was born just down the street. I don't know. Uh, what is it? 114th in Amsterdam, which actually technically is Harlem. But I wasn't raised in the city. I was in the it was in New York, but in Long Island for um, the first four years of my life. And then I moved to D.C. when my parents separated mm-hmm. and I moved with my mom. And so I was raised in D.C. from five to 17 and came back to New York for college at the age of 17 and have been here ever since. I did take two years to go to grad school in San Francisco, but I subletted my apartment. So I'm te- I was always a New York resident. Uh, so uh, and I came back, you know, for holidays and that sort of thing. So I don't know. I feel actually kind of torn at this point because uh, I was raised in DC, but I also feel like New York raised me as an adult because uh, sure. coming at 17, you're not a fully formed human just yet. Um, so, right, right. So, um, in, in aggregate, I've been in New York my whole, like not my whole life, the majority of my life. I gotcha. Um, I gotcha. You know? And so. when, when you went to college, what was it that you wanted to be when you grow up? Oh, so um, I actually went to NYU to Tisch for photography and imaging. Oh, my God. I'm a, I'm a Tisch graduate from NYU. Oh, really? Yes. What, what studio? Well, I'm, I'm assuming you were in theater, but I don't know. I'm making I wasn't theater. I was a film and television. Oh, I, you were on TV? Oh, my goodness. My I, best well, friend. I, I always say I had a face for radio. That's so funny. We're lots of women from back in the day. Although, again, like I said, I'm a lot older than you are, but be that as it may. No, that's So what wonderful. did you want to do? So, yeah, I mean, if I recall to 
my high school, like 10th or 11th grade year when Miss Trufray, our, um, I think she was my sociology teacher or psychology teacher. I don't remember. She asked us to make a timeline of our life and what we wanted to do uh, like across the the timeline. Um, I said I wanted to be a photographer and be published in a magazine and like work for magazines. Mm-hmm. Um, my favorite movie at that time was like Love Jones, which I don't know if you've seen this, but it was a, Nina was like a photographer and, you know, she is playing in all to my, all of my, my dream life moments. Um, and um, I wanted to be a professor and like be a tenured professor, like old, later on in life, write some books, you know, live on the, on the academia dole, if you will. Um, and, and, uh-huh. and, and just be like sharing ideas and working with students and um, living a, a, a full, meaningful, creative life. And I can't remember. Oh, and I wanted to be, um, you know, a business person. Like that has always been the case, right? I was like, I want to be a businesswoman. <laughs> and when it was time to apply for college, it's like, I don't think I want to do a business degree per se. Mm-hmm. I don't want to end up in finance and like, uh, so I guess I'll choose something else that I'm interested in, which was photography. So um, I want to do all those things. And I have done a version of all of those things to date. I have not written the book yet, but that is, we're working on that. So Wait, did you want to be Cindy Sherman, Sherman or no, 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 Annie because I, Leibovitz? I was more um, inspired, I think, at the time by Annie Leibovitz, but only because it was more accessible to me. And I learned about Cindy Sherman, like in my freshman year of college, uh-huh. um, you know, and we we're just doing photo history and just looking at contemporary art and how it's evolved over the years. Um, and so by the time I got to college, I um, would definitely have said Cindy Sherman over Annie Leibovitz, like studio based photography was not what was calling me yeah. after I was in the program and like saw was exposed to so many other applications of the, of the medium. So um, anyway, I ended up actually doing a lot of documentary based photography. I met some really cool people, did some work for magazines, um, have like my work is in the, the, the Nas documentary, which, you know, that was like, I met the people who produced it um, like, while I was shooting my thesis uh, my photo thesis work, you know, for my senior year, uh-huh. um, we're all still in touch. And one of the people that I met uh, on the documentary, the Nas documentary, um, who was on the early crew, uh, it was somebody that we ended up collaborating with a couple of years ago, um, as one of our Harlem flavors of the week. And that was a series that, uh, allowed us to share spotlight. Um, so celebrate the contributions of, Black people who were contributing positively to um, Black culture in our neighborhood and beyond, right? Um, and his name is Tuma Basa. He, at the time, was, oh, I think he was at YouTube. I think he's still at YouTube. But um, he's the person that created the Rap Caviar playlist for Spotify. So he was at Spotify before YouTube. And so we were like, well, yeah, that, you know, <laughs> as a curator of this sound and being somebody who's very deep in music entertainment um, and has been a bridge between uh, consumers and artists, certainly you are positively impacting our culture. So um, anyway, so that's a, a lovely, you know, moment of full circle where you're working under one guise and then it connects to your yeah, but it begs the question. So here you are doing artistic, pursuing an artistic career as a photographer. Mm-hmm. And that obviously was your line of work for a while. Mm-hmm. You earned a living doing that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, for the first couple of years of out of college, it was yeah. that and a combination of like some admin work for a nonprofit. 
and also my museum education work at Studio Museum in Harlem. So it was a combination. It was like, you know, I was like a teaching artist and an artist making making stuff, doing stuff, thinking about stuff. So how does that strike you as this kind of eclecticism and this versatility that is Petrushka? Does that make perfect sense to you that you, oh, have, yeah. all these, you have all these fingers <laughs> and all these different pies because so much interests you? Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, um, I think uh, I remember actually, oh, I was actually working on an exhibition too, right out of um, college. My mentor, Deb Willis, who's a very generous scholar, like she, you know, has been in the university setting for a really long time, but she's a, a photo historian, a curator, an artist. And I always remembered watching her just like give people opportunities because her plate raneth over. It, it, it was just abundant with opportunities. She's like, I cannot do all of these things. But she was always, always great about surrounding herself with young people, not so young people, you know, mm-hmm. just anybody mm-hmm. who was interested in the work. Um, and if she identified skills within you, like she would just give you an opportunity. And I remember, this is coming back to your point, your question. Um, but she asked if I wanted to work alongside another woman that she met along her, her journey in life um, named Linda Holmes on this exhibition about midwifery. And it was a photography exhibition of Robert Galbraith's work. And he was the still uh, photographer on set for the documentary, All My Babies, which if, if anybody's listening to this and they're in the sort of baby space, the birthing space, then All My Babies is something that is, you know, covered. In the mm-hmm. Yeah. So Robert Galbraith was a, I think he was the assistant. He might've also been the assistant cameraman. I don't, I don't know. I can't, I can't remember that, but he, he took still images on set as well. And so Linda wanted to organize an exhibition of his work of this like canonical documentary that, you know, set the pace for many people's midwifery journeys um, as practitioners. And so in the time of me doing photography work, working at a, a, an organization called the Photography Institute, which isn't around anymore, um, but was a home for also photographers and um, photo historians to come together every summer to talk about the field um, and doing my museum education work. I was also working on this exhibition. And I remember, you know, just at that time, because I was like maybe 21 or something like that. Uh-huh. So I was really young, but I was pre- trying to present as a together person, if you will. Right, and so, right. So she was, and I really, I think, did a great job of doing that to the to, to my detriment of like not being a lively full person. So she, I think she kind of read me as like a, an, a very uptight person. And, and then as we started working together and kind of built rapport, she's like, oh, you're really interesting. Uh-huh. <laughs> so to come back to you know, coming back to all of that um, interest, like it, it, it's who I am. And, and, and I think life is more interesting when you have well, lots well, of Well, it sounds to me that your, that your enthusiasm was definitely contagious. Forget your ability and your talent. The, the fact that there was that combo certainly worked very well for you. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think if we're living lives of intention, then we are paying attention to the things that interest us and figuring out how to do more of that, you know? Um, yeah. So. so so I mentioned that you did, um, you know, that you were involved with the Brooklyn's Children's Museum and this laundromat project, which I gather you must have done for a bunch of years. And then I'm curious as to how you sachet from that into, even though you said, you know, business was sort of in your DNA, but yeah. how do you go from that to ice cream? Well, I think, let's see, a lot of things. One, business is, I mean, I, again, I, I, I feel I've now like reconnected with my true self. Okay. Um, because I think that 
when you're in third or fourth grade and you have a feeling about something that you're really into or something that excites you is probably like your spirit animal. Um, and you should hold on to that thought and explore it. Some people are like, I wanted to be an astronaut. I'm like, okay, so maybe you can't, actually you can do whatever you want, but like maybe it's not conventional or there's a linear path towards being an astronaut right now or in the next years or something. But what about astronaut? What about being an astronaut? Like was exciting to you and then spend time unpacking that. Right. So, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, I have reconnected with that initial, uh, interest and I basically brought all of my life experience in a professional and even personal sense to this business. And it was, I'm teaching a class through the Ask Petrushka work that I've been doing called Mastering the Art of Work. And it's really about um, allowing people to connect the dots on their interests, their skill sets, their superpowers, like specifically their superpowers, because obviously we all have them and they're not everybody else's. Um, And what are the needs around them? And then finding an answer for the next step, right? If you're feeling like at a moment or crossroads where you need a different thing going Mm -hmm. on. So Mm -hmm. the ice cream shop was a common, it was that, right? It was, my husband just got laid off from his job because they closed the restaurant quite suddenly after they hired him to be the general manager. And it was a restaurant that was open for a really long time, very respected. And they just decided like, we're not doing this anymore. So cool. So So what year was this? That was, uh, he lost it in 2016. Okay. Because yeah. I don't think, uh, our second child wasn't born yet, but mm-hmm. then it was while we were on, while I was on my maternity leave, we were in DC and we had ice cream and I was at, working at the Brooklyn Children's Museum. And while I was on maternity leave, we took uh, a trip to DC for Memorial Day. We were there visiting my mom and, um, and we met up with some of my friends from high school at a food hall. And we had ice cream after our meal. And it was at that moment that we realized that we couldn't have that same experience at home after a meal, right? We couldn't like go and get a scoop of ice cream to kind of just round off the meal. And so then that got us thinking, literally walking to the to the car, hey, since you don't have a job right now and we're trying to figure out the next step, what if we open an ice cream shop? Now, prior to this, I wanted to open... Um, a Peak Lee's business, which Peak Lee's is um, a Haitian coleslaw, if you will. That's like the best way. Or kimchi. Like it's a it's a, a relish that is added to many a Haitian dish plate, right? And it's like in almost every Haitian person's refrigerator. I don't know. Okay. I can't actually speak mm-hmm. for all Haitians, but my dad is Haitian. So um, we have Peak Lee's. My sister um, makes it all the time. And I was like, well, there's not Peak Lee's in the grocery store. Nick, what if we do this together? This is before he lost his job. But I clearly had an itch to do something on our own and something in a business sense or business-minded way, like not necessarily um, in a in a nonprofit way, you know, which is how I had been working mostly um, mm-hmm. in addition to like my independent work. So um we started playing around with some recipes and then he's like, you know, it just doesn't, he loves Peakley's as do I, but it, it was like, it doesn't light me up in the same way. Like that. I want to just be making Peakley's all day. Cause once you kind right. of get your recipe, it's not, you're, you're not really, there's reading. not much of a challenge, right? You know, you're, it's more, um, the work is like marketing. But I got to pick up on something that you said, you, you know, that we finished our dinner and then we had ice cream. You almost phrased that like, not that that was odd, but not very common. And I'm just gathering that maybe the ice cream didn't, you know, bowl you over, no pun intended. 
No, but the ice cream was delicious. It was oh. delicious. And it, it 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 just rounded out the meal. But it it was the experience that I was like, huh, we can't we have not done this at home, like ever. Why? <laughs> Why is that? There were no ice cream shops in Harlem before us. Oh, uh, okay. And so, so it wasn't the same as like going no. to the supermarket and getting a half gallon of Briars no. and no. having that for dessert at home. No, 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 no. I mean, we, of course, there was plenty of ice cream in the grocery store and everywhere, yes. you know, and mm-hmm. it certainly was in our freezer, but the, the act of having a delicious meal and then having also something equally delicious that was made with the same amount of care and intention, not that saying that Briars is not, but you know, it's, it's, it's not, it's not as bespoke, right? Mm-hmm. It's not as like, mm-hmm. oh, there's this little place that, you know, you can get this delicious flavor that you can't get anywhere else. There was not that. Right. And and that is what we had when we had that lunch and not being able to do that thing, which was lovely and very quotidian in many, many places, but not in our place of home um, was what was, you know, noteworthy. And so because we were at this crossroads where we had to think about, well, what is what is your next step going to be? Um, uh, I'm at the museum, but what are you going to do? And Nick had always wanted to open uh, a restaurant. and, but we were always like thinking like, well, what kind of restaurant, like, what is the, what, what value are we bringing to the culinary space? And also when you're opening a restaurant and you don't have investors or a ton of money behind you, it's right. really hard to do. So, um, not saying it can't be done, but it just requires a little bit, um, more than we had. And so, so this kind of solved that problem. And I guess in my, all of my life and all of my interests, I'm always trying to connect the dots between what are your interests? What are your superpowers? What is a need? You know, <laughs> like, and in yeah. his case, his interest, you know, he said he wanted to open a place and he wanted to open it in our neighborhood. Cool. Okay. This allows us to do that. He also went to culinary school and he, while he did not hold positions in the back of house, um, cooking in kitchens, he did, um, front of house management for a lot of, you know, great restaurants. Um, but he went to culinary. He like, you know how to make food, you know, and you yes. can bring a spirit to it. It's not just like the technicality of making the food, but you had the technical training also. Um, and then um, we don't have this in our neighborhood. And I, I cannot be the only person that wants this, you know? Um, and then I've always wanted to go into business. And so then that's how that happened. So you're totally <laughs> not intimidated by the idea of opening up your own as I said, ice cream emporium and, Ooh. and, and as well as getting funding. It's one thing to give birth to children, Petrushka. It's <laughs> another thing to give birth to a business because the stakes are very different. Yes. This, um, was not intimidating to me. I don't know why you can do whatever you want. You just have to have the right mindset. And like, I, I don't think I've realized that until of late in my own like coaching practice and training. <laughs> I was like, huh? No, that wasn't scary to me. At all. Because I was like, this is possible. We can do this. Literally, you can do whatever you want to (laughs) do. Like, you can find the resources if you are already in the frame that it's happening. And it was already happening. So it was happening. And that was the end. So you and your husband agree that Harlem could use an ice cream parlor. Where did the, the culinary part of this come in? Well, because he had worked in restaurants for so long. Like, he came to New York from Iowa. He was raised on a farm and he would have been the third generation of, of farmers, but n- neither he nor his siblings wanted to take on that line of business um, from his dad. So they all dispersed and he and his brother actually ended up in New York. And then his sister lives in Portland. 
in any event, he came to New York to be a stand-up comedian and he was doing that for a bit of time. And then I think he got to a point where he was like, you know what? I'm just going to tap out. Um, and so, you know, like many people in the industry, in the performing arts industry, you're, you're working in restaurants, you're work, you know, you're doing whatever to pay for yeah, your life yeah, expenses right. while you, you're cultivating your craft. So he had spent a lot of time working in restaurants. We met in a restaurant um, where I worked for like two to three months, I think, while I moved back, when I came back from San Francisco from grad school. And I was like, I just need a little bit more ends to fill in this rent gap here. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. really not a great server. Um, but anyway, we met. It wasn't love at first sight, but we ended up like, you know, enjoying each other's company at work in a completely normal or not normal, but like professional. Yes, um, non, sure. And it was know. easy. It, it was, was yeah. Comfortable. And so, and yeah, and then eventually he was like, hey, do you want to go out on a date? And I was like, this is interesting. You, <laughs> did, he, no. did he say, do you want to go out for ice cream? No, he did it. He did it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was just like, we'll go to dinner tomorrow at seven. I was like, all right. And we've been together ever since. But that said, he spent so much time in that space. What is your interest? Like, is your interest restaurants? Like, do you want to do that? You know, I'm just like, uh, maybe a little Energizer Bunny. He's like, you know, <laughs> but yeah. what do you, you want to do? You know, and so uh, I was like, maybe you should go to culinary school to kind of get, if you say you want to open a restaurant, well, you should have a full scope of what that means, you know, front of house and back of house and your experience is front of house. So go to, go to culinary school. So he went to culinary school and, um, and you know, he's pants down, even though I make all of the dinners in this house, um, you know, he's going to whip up something delicious and it's all going to be, the mise en place is going to be organized and perfectly cut in ways that I can only aspire. Um, (laughs) So that's where the culinary part came in just to kind of have a full scope. And then he ended up from going to culinary school, he ended up working in these, you know, wonderful restaurants that um, people want to have seats at tables at. And, and I think the culinary school play, if you will, uh, opened that door for him. And, and so then from there, after he landed the general manager position at the restaurant that's no longer opened, that's when, you know, we landed on ice cream only because we're connect. I was like, just, we're connecting dots. You know, we don't have this. You said you wanted to do this. We just had this amazing moment. Why don't we have this at home? Huh? Let's put them all together in the pot and let's make this thing. So. That's so here you are working on these confections out of your uh, personal kitchen coming up. No, with no, a, no. Oh, oh, te- yes. I mean, before the shop opened. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. We were, you know, testing things out with friends, asking folks opinions, but it's funny. I was just sharing with a friend yesterday, she, Ida, actually, she, we met in high school and she did all of our um, branding um, for the, the shop. And, you know, she's like worked on presidential campaigns. She's the one who came up with the term I'm with her from Hillary Clinton. Oh, oh, okay. Mm -hmm, Like mm -hmm. we went to high school together. Anyway, Mm -hmm. um, so anyway, we're pretty close and that we talk all the time, um, you know, just about creative things. We both adjunct teach um, in college settings and then have like our uh, other parts of our careers. And so um, she's thinking about doing something in the food space with her partner um, in addition to her work, her current work. And she, we were, I was telling her last night, I was like, you know, that we didn't have like a locked in menu, right? Like until very soon to the time that we opened. <laughs> and she's like a planner, very organized, very, you know, controlled, if you will, you know? And, and she's like, what? <laughs> she said, seems a little last minute. No, it's like, that's fine. <laughs> 
it's fine. We, it, it, there was never going to be a moment where we weren't going to sell ice cream. Like we were going to be ready for the day, but like we didn't have our final list of flavors, tried and true flavors, um, locked in until pretty soon before we opened. That's amazing to me. I'm sitting here sort of with my mouth open. I wouldn't, wouldn't mind having it filled with ice cream but because <laughs> that's just so not my style, but that's, you know, I'm so impressed by that. So you and your husband decide, mm-hmm. okay, we're going to pull this off. And just to go back for a second, it was a no-brainer to call your store Sugar Hill Creamery, which is named for the neighborhood. Right. So we were playing around with names. There was like something about the like Phoenix Rising. I was like watching Luke Cage at the moment when Luke Cage came out in the first season. It was based in Harlem. And there was like a line about the Phoenix Rising. I was like, maybe it'll be, have like the word Phoenix in it or something. And I think there were some other, I actually still have the notes on my note you know, pad from on my phone from 2016 when we were playing around with names, but Sugar Hill Creamery um, kind of hit us. And there was some, because we also used to live in Sugar Hill. So it was after the neighborhood, but we lived there together. And that's where I'd lived there from when I graduated from college. And then eventually Nick moved there once we got together. Do you know the genesis of that name? Can you share that with us? How did Sugar Hill Creamery oh, because, get its name? Well, it's the home. It was the home of many um, black scholars, intellectuals, creatives, activists, and um, it doctors, like you know, prof- all these professionals. And it was it's on a hill, right? And um, it was people wanted to move there because of the affluence, you know, of the neighborhood. And it, mm-hmm. you know, you move there, and you're, it's you're signaling or tapping into the sweet life of that of that space. And actually, I don't even think I'm not a historian. That is my best friend, Kaya. She's a historian in my life. Um, But I'm like, so I don't actually know what the origin, but I do know that that concept of the sweet life came out of the neighborhood being called Sugar Hill. I don't know Mm -hmm. why it was named Mm -hmm. Sugar Hill. So it was just a no brainer. um, But yeah, like I was like, well, when that, that came to us, it's like, you know, it should, yeah, (laughs) like Sugar Hill. And then some people said, well, you know, where we were opening, um, the first location is not in Sugar Hill or anywhere close to it. And so my friends who are from Harlem, who were raised here and still live here, were like, you can't call it that. Like, it's not Sugar Hill. And I was like, well, it's not just going to be one store. So it doesn't matter that it's not in Sugar Hill. This is not a one store idea, you know? Um, and it, we didn't go into it with a one store idea. And even though people thought, because they thought I was crazy, like, you're leaving museum life, like, because eventually I did join on full time, like six months after we were open to do this ice cream thing. And because it was so crazy, and I put that in quotes, yeah, people just thought like, oh, this is like an idea and it'll be one store. I was like, no, it's not like, that's not, that's not my mindset. <laughs> it's not that. Anyway, and so um, I was like, it's fine if it's not, if we're not in Sugar Hill, because A, it is uh, a, a symbolic name for us and it represents where we met and all those things. And then also um, it's representing this neighborhood, this sweet life, which, you know, I think when anybody goes and does their own thing, they are working towards the sweet life, whatever that means to them, whether that's autonomy of their time, more money, more people, whatever, like what, when somebody is going after a dream, they are working towards a sweet life for them, however they define it. And then obviously, you know, ice cream is a 
sweet hill. Uh, uh-huh, right. hill. So there are all these plays uh, on the on the name. And so, yeah, that's what we. So it was you and Nick who came mm-hmm. up with the flavors and you know, Nick, Nick comes up with all of the flavors and he, um, and he makes all of the flavors. Yep. And he makes all the flavors. So in the beginning, he was getting some coaching from some um, pastry chef friends. And then we actually brought on initially um, a pastry chef um, consultant who was a friend that he met at another restaurant and he was doing the flavors. And then, but Nick would also have ideas too. And so some of the flavors that Nick came up with were in the case and some of the flavors that the consultant came up with in the case. That was from the beginning. But after a while, and this was like the beginning, we opened in July. So not a ton of summer left, July 29th to be exact. Um, You know, winter sets in Q4 of the year and you're like, okay, so it's not that people don't eat ice cream. It's just that they're not walking outside. for Outside to do that. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. and, And in the first year of business, we were like, oh, so this is interesting. All right. Like, where can we shave some expenses? And I was like, well, can't you just make the ice cream? Like, I don't understand why you can't just make all the flavors. I don't think he felt fully confident doing that because he's a, he's a purist and he's kind of like, like when people say yes, chef, like the pastry team that that's on board with us now, like when they say yes, chef or chef, this chef, that he's like, I'm not a chef. Like, do not call me that. I'm not, you know, was not trained in that way. I'm like, you, you went to culinary school, but he didn't, he didn't, he wasn't on the on the front lines of being in the kitchen, getting gotcha. burned and like initiated and all these things. Right. So, right. um, so he, he doesn't want to wear a hat that doesn't feel earned. If you will, we are all who we think we are. So, like uh-huh. you know, like people call him chef now because why he makes the flavors, like you are a pastry chef basically. So what is the, I don't, I, the actions line up to this title, but whatever, like, that's what you think go for it. That said, I was, I was pushing him to, the, why can't you just make all the flavors? Like, I don't understand, but like uh-huh. just lean into that, make all the flavors. And then we can, you know, I mean, we loved our, the person that was the consultant, but it was just like, we can't hold this expense, you know, if you have the capacity to do it. And so as a result of that, he started making all the flavors and then he started enjoying making all the flavors. And now it's like his creative outlet. Are your flavors very eclectic? What you serve there? I can't get anywhere else for the most part yeah give me some of the sexy names of your yeah ice cream. so okay well we have tumabuna which i mentioned that right um we've been serving that through the summer um and a little bit into the fall but it will end very soon so that's a ethiopian coffee with a ginger and turmeric honeycomb candy folded in delicious um our most popular flavor is the chairperson of the board and that's blueberry cheesecake <laughs> ice cream that has um you know blueberry jam and um graham cracker crust or in, not in a chunks but like more like rivers dusty dusty rivers wow. um, um streaming throughout um we have salted our salted caramel with butterscotch and brownie pieces that's called harlem sweeties after langston hughes poem the same name we have a watermelon um black sesame flavor that looks like when you scoop it, it looks like a basketball it's called rucker park um and that's a non-dairy option which we're bringing out more non-dairy options for folks we also have a apricot passion fruit with a, it's like a kind of spicy guava swirl that goes in. That's a, also a non-dairy. It's delicious. My favorite year round is the sweet socialism, which is um, a dark chocolate sorbet, but super creamy, never icy. Like people think that there's dairy in there, but there's not. And actually the name of that flavor brings me to a question that you asked earlier that I didn't get a chance to answer, which was about funding and money. So we did a combination of personal funds and then we got a loan from the Upper Manhattan Empowerment Zone. And this was a lender of last resort. That's like how they build themselves. They are there to help businesses that are like, 
you know, not doing great, I guess, and like need a, a bridge. And they also are there to take a risk on businesses that are new. So mm-hmm. we knew that we were not going to be able to get a loan from a bank because we had no track record. Right. Um, and, but I remember seeing the Upper Manhattan Empowerment Zones office in the same building as Studio Museum in Harlem, where I worked as an intern in college and then was hired right after college to do like museum education. So just again, connecting the dots, like paying attention. Yeah. Or the stars and, were aligned, dots it, notwithstanding. Yeah. But you know, yeah, but like, I really believe that the stars can be aligned for everybody if they are paying attention, looking, and are like deeply connected to their intuition. And so did I know, I think actually I saw Upper Manhattan Empowerment Zone and I was like, oh, I want to go there one day and like take a workshop or something. Because again, I have this business itch, you know, um, but didn't get a chance to do that. Could have done that with the photography, but I don't think I had like a, a I was in my own, like, I think, mm, thoughts about what I was capable of as a photographer. So I didn't really them for that, but it was a seed that was planted um, in those, in those younger days of late teens, early twenties. And so then I was like, wait, we could go there, I think. Right. So like many years later um, and that was a whole schlep to, you know, have, you know, submit our business plan and projections. And they're like, why do you feel like you make this? Like, because it's based on, this data, this number of people pass, the average spend is this, it's summer, like all of these things, like I'm not a dummy, like, like, like uh-huh, just uh-huh. basic math, math is math, right? Like, and it's not that hard math, it's adding and subtracting and multiplying and that's all, you know, and making sure that you are earning more than you are spending, which is of course a basic thing, right? Yes, Anyways, exactly. it ended up giving us a loan, which was great. And that, you know, allowed us to pay for construction by equipment and all that. And we ended up gut renovating a, um, a place that was formerly a nail salon, but and it was opened by a woman who gave her, her she just her manicures were amazing, but she only had like a five year lease. I don't think she wanted to do that business anymore, so she ended up you know giving the lease up. And then we saw that the gate was down in our neighborhood, and we asked our broker when we were looking for spaces, like, can you look into this space? Because um, the gate is usually up, so if it's down, maybe that means it's available, right. and it right. hadn't even listed on the market yet. Um, and she's like, if you get your application together by Friday, you can. Um, you can have it. So, uh, you know, and you're approved or whatever. So we were dashing to get everything together and get it to the office. We, they approved us and then, you know, we're off to the races. So anyway. Did you assume that Sugar Hill Creamery would just be, and I don't mean just, a store or were you thinking about making it an ice cream parlor that I could come and sit oh, there and have sit. my ice cream. Absolutely, that was always the vision because we didn't have that cons- that I that uh, opportunity to sit. Like we have Baskin and Robbins, and there's usually like one table with two chairs, um, and then that's it. You know, and it's like in the Baskin and Robbins, it's not really, it's not really like where you want to sit all day, <laughs> right? right. <laughs> Looking fondly at your loved one, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, so. Yeah, like it was always about an opportunity to connect with neighbors. And um, so I can come in, get a cup and leave, or I could come in and sit down and enjoy my confection. Absolutely. And, you know, we I brought my museum education thoughts, ideas to the space where, you know, we're hosting these um, free and fee-based programs. So 
Um, some examples include our Ice Cream Social series, which we had kicked off at the beginning of 2020 and obviously came to a screeching halt for reasons we all understand, mm. um, where people could come to the shop on Wednesdays and listen to someone organizing a conversation around a quality of life topic that was passionate, that they were passionate about. So um, some of those speakers were um, talking about desegregating public schools. Some people were talking about the um, birthing rights that you have in a hospital. Other people were talking about raising multiracial children and the merits and necessity for, you know, beautiful interior design on like your well-being, but also, you know, just because. Wow. Wow. So you're so, just more than somebody scooping ice cream into a container. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, we, we want it to be like a, a third space, if you will, kind of like a library um, uh-huh. in our community um, where people can sit and enjoy each other and connect and, and have greater understanding about themselves or, you know, life or whatever. I mean, that seems quite lofty for an ice cream shop, but ice cream is a, it is a very accessible food, you know, and it's a and connector. It, it's a connector. Exactly. So it makes like, you happy. Yeah. When you opened, were you initially embraced? Did, did you have to do any advertising or were they, were folks coming to you in droves? I forgot to mention as part of that sort of money conversation is that we also did a Kickstarter and um, we launched it in February of 2016 um, to say, hey, we're doing this ice cream shop. And that's how a lot of people learned about us. And that's also how we were able to get press in the beginning too, because there was a call to action. So we were saying we're raising $10,000 to, you know, pay for odds and ends, but it was a, it was a dual thing. It was like, yeah, we could use $10,000 just to pay for the things that we don't even realize we're gonna have to pay for. And of course they were there, you know, but also it was a promotional strategy as well. Like, Hey, there are these people who putting together this ice cream shop and, you know, they're a family and they're making ice cream and they're selling it in their neighborhood. And okay, cool. You know, I want to support that or I want to buy my ice cream scoop early. Right. So it was like almost like a pre-sale of ice cream. Um, if you wanted to look at it that way. Um, and and so that got people excited because there wasn't anything like that in our neighborhood. And so then there was this um, blog uh, uh, called Harlem Bespoke. as a very engaged reader base and it is based in Harlem. And uh, the person behind it picked it up and put it, you know, made it, wrote a blog like, hey, there's an ice cream shop coming. And he writes about, you know, restaurants and, and also in architecture in the neighborhood. So great target audience didn't know that was going to happen, but somehow he got word of it. I think I posted it on our neighborhood listserv. Like maybe, I don't even know. Maybe I didn't, I don't know. But I do post a lot of things on our neighborhood listserv. It's called Harlem for Kids, which is a a larger nonprofit, which I'm now on the board of. But, um, and they do a wonderful story time on the weekends. But needless to say, I don't know how he learned about it, but he posted it. And I remember being at the museum at work and just seeing my phone just like flashing, like with all these notifications that people were making donations. Because we started off with a bang and then, you know, kind of plateaued a little bit. I didn't have to start getting into my emails, like reminding people to support this, right? Because it was still like ice cream. It's just exciting. You're doing this new thing. Um, But I could see that the fundraising was plateauing just a little. But then that article got posted and then it just spiked. <laughs> like, it's like, okay, I think this brings us almost to our goal. And then we were actually able to fundraise double, almost double what we um, was set out to do. What so your initial goal was. Yeah. So then was it a no brainer for you to go to number two? Well, number two was not for vanity. It was literally for necessity because we started this venture like, yes, we're doing this. It's not going to just be the only shop. At some point we will have another shop, but 
we started off very small because we knew that based on our projections, we were like, I don't think that we can hold a rent that is being currently offered, you know, for the places that we were seeing. So we found a place that we could afford that we felt comfortable paying the monthly rent on. Um, But that space was not really conducive for making the amount of ice cream that we realized we needed to be able to make because we sold out of all the ice cream that we made, all of the reserves and everything on the first day, which then resulted on, yes, us having to like open later the next day and just kind of being in this like, cycle of, uh, you know, just trying to keep up. And so we started looking for an alternative right after we opened, like, uh oh, this might not be, you know, this might not be <laughs> the right space for us right now. Um, but we have to make do. And, and so that the space that we ended up opening on Halloween of 2020 um, is the space that we had been working on for mm, 2020. So I think the end of 2018. Um, but there was a lot of negotiating that was happening between our lawyer and the landlord's lawyer and then landlord's work that was supposed to be happening. And then, oh, COVID happened. Like, all, so we didn't get it opened until Halloween of 2020, but it was in motion well before uh, COVID hit. You know, are you surprised by the success of these ventures? You know, it's interesting. I'm eternally grateful Um, and I am honored. I literally feel that, uh, it is an honor to do this work and to, because if it's a business that's raised, like it's selling something, right. It's not on the laurels of what you're doing as the business owner. Like people are making a decision to come to you, right. They are sharing their resources with you in exchange for whatever it is that you're selling. So it feels really great to be able to do that and for people to like it, right. And to make that choice to use their resources in that way. So I am, I think will always be, this will be one of the highlights of my life um, of being able to, you know, open this space and be able to provide a product that people value and enjoy. Crave. And, and, and crave, yes. Um, I've heard that about the, about the blueberry cheesecake, especially people are like, what do you put in there? I'm still <laughs> thinking about this. Anyway, but am I surprised? I don't know. I'm not. Well, the way you, the way you operate, I wouldn't, if you said you were surprised, I would think that would almost be disingenuous. You, you, you do what you need to do. And your husband sounds like, uh, of a similar philosophy. I'm always so taken by that when I hear from the women who just, yeah, well, you know, this is what we were going to do. And yeah, there might've been a bit of a slog, but you know, come on, what's the big deal? Things in my life seem to be a big deal. Many things happen, right? Like, it's not to say that in this in this journey, like, it's been easy. It certainly has not been, do you know? Like, but there's a choice to let things that, that happen that are not great. Like, so many things have happened. Somebody just stole our tricycle, you know, that we use for catering on the day that we had a catering job and we had a catering job the next day. I could sit there and think to myself, who would do yeah, this? Yeah, like, this is yeah. terrible. And I could really, really just sit in the, the act of that happening and what that means and why somebody would do that. Or I can be upset. I can acknowledge my emotion. I can acknowledge my anger. I can acknowledge my sadness in that moment. You know, I didn't actually end up crying, but I, I was like, but if I needed to cry, honor that and move on, like, and close the cycle of grief and just move on. Mm-hmm. And, and there have been so many things that have happened in the course of our four years we were moving a freezer like up and down Lenox Avenue because again, we realized like, oh, we need to make a lot more ice cream than we thought, you know? Mm-hmm. And so now we need to get this like, you know, hardening cabinet so that we can store this ice cream. We don't have a space 
for this freezer. <laughs> so, so now we need to call on our neighbors. Like, can we put this in your house? Uh-huh, not house, uh-huh. but like in your restaurant or whatever, right. in the back of your place, in your cellar, basement, storage of your place, whatever. And like, we'll pay you. Like all this negotiating. So it's just, I think it's easy for all of us to look at other people's successes. And I put successes in quotes because it's like really just successes, just achieving a goal that you set out for yourself. Like I I have been successful in being able to walk down the street with my child, holding her hand and not rushing to get on a train. That right. has been, that was my goal. And I feel successful. Right. That. I've been able right. to do that for years. However, that said, small. we can, yeah, exactly. Like we look at other people's accomplished goals and go like, wow, that's amazing. And uh, many times they are so amazing, but it's not to say that it was like, it was amazing because they just, you know, kept doing whatever, you know, like just responding to the moment and, and, and not living in whatever hardness that came along with it. Like it's, do not, you, you know, do you have folks coming from all over? And I asked that question sort of knowing the answer because the woman who um, does the social media for my show who lives in Brooklyn was I know Sugar Hill Creamery. Oh, wow. The, you know, the ice cream is amazing. That's so, so awesome. That is so awesome. Um, so I'm gathering that it ain't just a neighborhood place. Yeah, I mean, we in the business plan, we said this is a place for neighborhood neighbor neighbors and neighborhood visitors. So we designed it for our neighborhood, but we certainly want it to be the one of the places that you go to when you're visiting Harlem. And And we have, I think that has always been the vision and that's always what we've been working towards. So you also said about, you know, your tricycle getting stolen, but that yeah. so people come to you and then you also cater events. Yep. So we do weddings and Holy um, shit. corporate mean, events and, wow. you know, university things and, you know, like, yeah. And, and that, that catering arm, if anybody's listening and you want to just run the catering part of this business, please call me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> It's a lot. Um, it's a lot. And so, but it's good. You know, it's like I was listening to something that said, overwhelm is actually a good indicator that many things are coming to you. So just sit, take a breath, take some deep breaths, and then reframe and move on. Let's share the specifics about Sugar Hill Creamery. You can always find us on Instagram everywhere, Sugar Hill Ice Cream. And we're also on Facebook under the same handle. Um, we are located, our first location and flagship is on uh, Malcolm X Boulevard between 119th and 120th Street in Harlem. Our second location is uh, located adjacent to Sugar Hill, little in what's considered, I guess, West Harlem. It's Harlem. But um, if you want to qualify the directionality of it, it's a little on the West side. Um, and that is on Broadway between 149th and 150th. And then we opened a third location in Timeout Market in Dumbo, Brooklyn, um, where many people who actually are just visiting the city go for, um, you know, lovely food. Um, and now we are one of the um, vendors there. So those are the three places we also ship on Gold Belly, um, boxes of four pints um, and our blueberry ice cream cheesecake which is a cheesecake that's just made out of ice cream. Um, it's delicious. Anyway, so that's where folks can find us and, uh, and our website, www.sugarhillcreamery.com. Does any of this give you pause when you look back over what you've done? Or is it all just, you know, yeah, this is what I did then and this is what I'm doing now. Uh, maybe I'm defying you, Petrushka, but so what? You know? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, it doesn't give me pause. Um, I mean, I think you asking me that makes me realize, well, maybe I should take a beat and just like celebrate 
Well, we, we do celebrate milestones, but we're just putting one foot in front of the other here. You know, like we have a vision. We're just working towards the vision. Like just put the foot, <laughs> the other foot, and just keep going. I mean, everything that I do, I try to do it with intention and with thought. Like I don't want to, we don't, time is not a renewable resource. We're never getting it back. So we should make every minute mm-hmm. count. And mm-hmm. like, you should do that. That is, you should make your time count in ways that are aligned with your vision, your values, and, you know, how you want to leave this world better, right? Arguably, people are like, is ice cream going to leave it better? Well, you know, honestly, yeah, I think it is. Oh, it's that's, a, that's a no-brainer. Oh, that know? is such a no-brainer. <laughs> Outside of, like, you know, just satiating one's palate, like, um, and, and, and cravings, um, it's bringing people opportunities for people to connect it, you know, new, new people and, and old friends and any time we can create space for more connection, um, and more community building with the time that we have, like, I just think that's a value add and the world is a better place as a result. As we wind down our conversation, Petrushka, any other irons in your fire or in your freezer? In addition to the shops, uh, you mentioned in the, in my bio that I have launched this coaching practice. It's not like my primary work, um, but it is work that I am passionate about. And that's me being true to what I just said about living in my own values. Um, through the new moms groups that I organized at the shop, I realized I really liked working um, with women, but also specifically women who are in motherhood and sort of juggling that. I actually just launched a class called Mastering the Art of Work, which will be available as an online course. I'm teaching it live in this first launch so I can get comfortable and figure out if I need to re-record it or if I can share the course that I'm doing in real time, but in recorded form for future people to enjoy. Um, but it's about doing what I feel like we've been doing. You know, it's connecting those dots, figuring out how you want to show up in the world, obviously monetizing that because you have to live, you know, um, but figuring out what's important and then and living a life of intention. And so that's what Mastering the Art of Work is about. And there's like a group coaching component. So folks who want to dive in deeper and kind of get quicker results to them finding that thing for themselves. Like we meet on Thursdays and then I do one-on-one coaching, but I don't like, I do one-on-one coaching, but I'm very mindful of the time that I have. So mm-hmm. I do a mm-hmm. lot of one-on-one coaching clients, but. I well, it them. goes without saying that I'm going to get my ass up there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and you I can't wait cheesecake. It just sounds, uh, oh my gosh, just uh, so mouthwatering. Um, yes. I, again, this, I just love what I do. I meet the greatest women and this was, it was just a real pleasure and honor to get to know you. And I think that, uh, you, who you are just speaks volumes and I'm so glad that you are who you are. Oh, thank you, Sandy. This is wonderful. Thank you for making this space and for curating the space and, 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 and having a wonderful voice. And, <laughs> and, um, and thank you for having me. That's an honor. Totally my pleasure. Join us for another edition of Conversations with Creative Women. I'm Sandy Klein. 